Uh, but sign up in the lobby. We're going to have a place for you to sign up. Please sign up. It's going to be an incredibly fun day. Now, are you ready for week two of our series on the Holy Spirit? All right. Let me start with a question. Does anybody not like having an option? Like, no, you like options, right? I like having options. If I go out to eat, I want options. I want, hey, do I want to have steak, chicken? Do I want seafood? Do I want fried pickles? Do I want a baked potato? I like having options. If I go to buy a car, I want options. Do I want, you know, this is some of you beyond belief for some of you younger people. Do I want power windows or do I want to crank it up? Come on. Good old days. Good old days when you let somebody in, you had to lean over, crank it up. You know, do I, do I want serious radio, XM radio? What do I want? I like having options. And here's why I open that. There's some, some things that, yes, options are nice. We want the option to choose. But if you're taking notes, this is actually your first. I'm starting out uh, with guns blazing. Holy Spirit, he is not optional. He is essential. In your walk with Christ, he is a, essential. He is a necessity in our lives. You don't, like, you don't walk up to the Christian vending machine and say, oh, yeah, I want God. Oh, yeah, I think I'll take Jesus. What's that? Holy Spirit, I think I'm good right now. He is essential in your life. You want to live the life that God intended you to live. He's essential. You got to have him. Last week, we asked the question, who or what is the Holy Spirit? One, we learned is he's God. He is just as much a part of the Trinity as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Second thing we learned, he's not weird. And I think we said this in the video, people that claim that Holy Spirit makes them weird, no, they're just weird. They're just a little strange. Holy Spirit doesn't make you weird. The third thing, he is our helper, not our parakeet ghost. He is our parakletos, our intercessor, our helper, our comforter, our counselor, our advocate. He is not optional. He is essential. Now, let me ask you, how many grew up like I did in a Pentecostal charismatic church? How many grew up Baptist? My wife grew up Baptist. What about Methodist? Uh, let's see, what's another? Uh, church of Christ. Uh, how many of you didn't really grow up with a, ba- a church background? Yeah. Some of y'all, uh, I'm afraid to ask what background you grew up in then. Um, how many grew up in the Satanist church? No, that's a... But how many, let me ask this in, and be, I, need, I need some feedback. How many of you grew up, however you grew up, you didn't really grow up with a full understanding of Holy Spirit or what you heard about Holy Spirit kind of freaked you out a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. My wife will tell you the first time she attended a Pentecostal church, she was a little bit skeptical. She didn't know what to expect. She didn't know what to do. And when I grew up, my mom and dad, we were the first really Pentecostal church in this area. So there was all kinds of stories said about us. And me being a 15, 16-year-old kid, I did nothing to calm those stories. In fact, I, yeah, yeah, we handle snakes. Let me, let me show you the hole where we keep them. 
I mean, I did. Absolutely. You'll say it about us. Hey, I'm going to agree. And my mom and dad did not like me for that. Um, but you didn't grow up. I, you say, well, everything I've heard, man, I, I'm, why do I need the Holy Spirit? I'm saved on my way to heaven. Uh, so do I need the Holy Spirit? Why do I need him to work in my life? And I think that's a fair question. I don't think it's an irreverent or disrespectful question. I think there are people that just don't really know who he is or how he operates or works. So why do I need the Holy Spirit? Um, Everything, here's why I think we really need him. Everything that we know, believe, and hold to be true as followers of Jesus is being marginalized. Are you hearing me? Things are shifting beneath us. And it's vital for us to remember who we are. It is vital for us to remember what we believe and why we believe it. Are you hearing me? It's vital. In the book of Ezra, um, there's a scripture that, that really stands out to me. I read this this past week in my Bible reading. And I think it's very relevant to where we are t- right now as a church. Uh, God's children have been in exile, uh, and they begin to come out of exile, and, and they move toward their promised land. And Ezra begins to pray, and this is part of that prayer. But now we have been given a brief moment of grace, for the Lord has allowed a few of us to survive as a remnant. A remnant. What is that? If you look up the definition, here's what it means. Leftovers. The leftovers. The remains, what's left. There's a whole lot that's going on in our world right now. Come on, a whole lot of craziness. A whole lot of division. And, I, and I, I, here's what I believe. I believe people are putting things out there saying it's for, to, for unity, knowing it's going to bring division. Are you hearing me? But here's, here's what's sad to me. It's not just in the world. I'm seeing a lot of Christian-on-Christian verbal slander, verbal violence. Are you hearing me? And honestly, I think it breaks the heart of God. Are you hearing me? Parent, doesn't it break your heart when you see one of your kids, they're fighting and they begin to do things to their, their brother or sister that, that should not be, doesn't it break your heart? How do you think the father feels? I think it breaks his heart. Did y'all notice there this week there was, uh, I think it was like a 24-hour period of peace that just hovered over our country when Facebook was shut down? Come on. It was just like, oh, man, what is that? Oh, no social media. I'm telling you, with everything that's going on in our world and our society, while it seems that our country and our world is losing its mind, let me remind you, all God needs is a remnant. All God needs, it doesn't take a huge group of people to make a huge difference. All he needs is a remnant. And when I think about Watts Bar Community Church, when I look at the people's lives, I know that he's changed and who he is bringing in. You know what I see? The leftovers. That's a good thing. The remnant that God wants to use 
during a time like this. That God wants to be, and I believe we have been given this brief moment of grace. My question then, church, is what are we going to do with it? Are we going to take that brief moment of grace that we've been given as the survivors, as the remnant, to just attend church? Are we going to make a difference? God doesn't need a huge group, just a remnant. I'm telling you guys, it's not a bad thing when I say we're the leftovers. I'm talking, I look out over the crowd and I, and, and I know the people that attend here. We have everybody from recovering addicts to the person that grew up in church and has never touched a drug or drink in their life. We have everyone from those that are struggling with their sexual identity to the ones that have been hurt by church. Those that wear dress pants and dress shirts to those that wear jeans and, hey, whatever they can find. Those that don't have a tattoo or piercing and those that seems like there's not another place on their body they can get a tattoo. Those that are not sure what they believe in and those that are grounded. We are the remnants. We are the remnants. We've been given this moment of grace. Here's the guys, we are so quick to jump, jump up and down and shout and complain on Facebook and anyone that will listen about the sinfulness of, uh, and the present state of our society and culture. And I would agree, it, is, it does seem like that our culture is losing its dang mind. It, that's what it seems like. But I think we re- need to remember the first century church, the church acts, the church where the church was born, it did not uh, appear in a post Christian world. There were no Christians. Those that come out of that movement, they lost jobs because of what they believed. They were beaten for what they believed. They were ostracized for what they believed. Some lost their lives for what they believed. So yeah, why it's bad. I believe here in America, you're not really about to lose your life for what you believe. So we've got more going for us as followers of Jesus than what we claim. We just need to grasp onto it. Now let me ask you, if someone you love, someone you admired and respected, they knew they were getting ready to die, they were knew they, 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 they were going to be no more. They had very few moments to share with you. And they said, hey, I want to meet with you. I want to pour some things into you that I think are going to be critical in your life. Wouldn't you want to take the time to listen to what they had to say? Come on, wouldn't you? Uh, and there, there's a place. Jesus is getting ready to ascend into heaven. Uh, this is uh, long after his, re- this is after his resurrection and all that. He's getting ready to ascend. This is the last time his disciples would physically see him. And this is what he says to them found in Luke 24, 49. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Stay here. Jesus said, guys, I'm getting ready to go away. But what I'm sending you, you're going to need. You're going to need power. You're going to need something to help you get you through what you're about to experience. I don't know about you, but if anything in this, I need some power from heaven. Come on, anybody else? I need some power from heaven. So why do I need, why do we need the Holy Spirit? The first thing is this. 
He brings life. Holy Spirit brings life. After Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection, the disciples, they go into hiding. They're fearful of their lives, and they're afraid. And in John 20, it says, they had locked themselves in a room. They had locked themselves in a room. And then out of nowhere, Jesus appears. No knock on the door. No window open. Nothing. He just, bam, appears. And it had to be startling for him. Come on, it would be startling to you too. Uh, people that say, oh, I just love to see an angel. Every time people saw an angel in the Bible, they had to change their britches afterwards. Because uh, he said, fear not. Hey, don't be afraid. Uh, but Jesus appears. And it had to be startling because the thing Jesus opens, hey, 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 peace be with you. And look, this is what he had to say to them in John 20, verse 21, 22. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Look what he does next. And with that, he did what? Breathed, Breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on him. That word breathe, the, the verb there that gets used in the original language, it's only used once in the New Testament, and this is it. It gets used a few times in the Old Testament. Anybody want to know where? It gets used in Genesis when it talks about God breathing life into man, this formless clay. It gets used over in Ezekiel 37. Remember when God told Ezekiel, hey, go to this, this, this boneyard, this graveyard filled with dry bones and begin to speak life. And this is what he says. He says, wind come from the four winds and breathe into these dead bodies that they may live. That's the same verb. It said when Jesus breathed on his disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. What John is trying to say, he said, the same God that breathed life into a formless, lifeless piece of mud is the same God that breathed life into all these bones and they came back to life. And it's the same God that wants to breathe life into you and I. Same God. Why do I need the Holy Spirit? Because he breathes life where something was dead. He breathes calm where there's only chaos. He breathes power where there's only weakness. He breathes healing where there was only hurt. He breathes wholeness where there was only brokenness. He breathes, brings life. The second reason we need him, he brings power. Power. I want to look at the first outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to look at it because a lot of people think the Holy Spirit only showed up in the New Testament. He is all throughout the Old Testament too. And we're going to look at that in the weeks to come. But this is the first outpouring that we see. And this is where the first century church is birthed. Acts chapter 2. We're going to read four, uh, four verses here. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Why? You remember what Jesus told them? Stay here in the city till the Holy Spirit comes. He said, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Verse 3, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them, rested on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And yes, we are going to do a message uh, saying, does the Holy Spirit speak in tongues? We'll deal with that a little bit later too. 
But it says they were filled. Filled. Let me get a definition of filled. To be under the full influence. To be overcome by a power greater than your own. To influence or possess fully. They were filled. Why is that so good? Because when it says that everyone in the room was filled, here's what it's saying. It's telling us those people and all their flaws, all their inadequacies, all their brokenness, it, uh, it, it, was, it, was, uh, it was overlooked because of the Holy Spirit coming in and not overlooked. Maybe it was eclipsed by the Holy Spirit coming in that room. Why do we need it? Tell you when the Holy Spirit fills us, all our inadequacies, all our brokenness gets eclipsed by Holy Spirit in our lives. In that moment, Holy Spirit brought every believer in that room under His influence. Let me let, let me try to explain being filled with the Holy Spirit. Stay with me now. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, stay with me. It's not that you get more of the Holy Spirit. It's not like, hey, I got saved. I got a little bit of the Holy Spirit when I got saved. Later on, I'm going to get more of him. Here's what it is. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, it's not that the Holy Spirit get, uh, that you get more of the Holy Spirit, but rather the Holy Spirit gets more of you. You come under his influence. He begins to influence how you live, how you talk, what you say, what you do, how you treat people. Um, I'll start to go somewhere, but I'm not. Why do you think Paul in Galatians 5 urged the people, walk in the Spirit, live in the Spirit? He said, bring every part, every aspect of your life under the influence, under the control of the Holy Spirit. Think, think about it this way. Um, if you get arrested for DUI, what does that DUI stand for? Driving under the what? You're not in your right mind. Something else is influencing you. You're, 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 you're not operating at the way you should be. And that's what, the, get this, that's what the disciples and the other 120, they get accused of being, of drink, being drunk. Uh, this is what the, they look at Acts 2.13. Others in the crowd ridiculed them saying, they're just drunk, that's all. Look at all these people. Look, there's 120 of them taking the walk of shame today. Some of y'all know what that is. Don't, don't act like you don't. Look at all these drunk people. They're ever, I love Peter's response on ver, in verse 15. These people aren't drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. He didn't say they ain't been drunk. It's just nine in the morning. They're not drunk. No, <laughs> that cracks me up. No, this was spoken by the prophet Joe when he said in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit, Holy Spirit on all people. People, people said, hey, we're not under the influence of wine or any other substance. We have come under the influence of the Holy Spirit, and he is giving us the power and the courage to say and live like we're living. 
In Ephesians 5, 8, uh, 5.18, I'm wondering if Paul was thinking back on this encounter with the Holy Spirit that day in Acts 2. And that's why he said this in 5.18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, what does it say? Be filled, Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. See, alcohol impairs your senses, right? Alcohol makes you feel uh, like you're something that you're not. Alcohol makes white men think they can dance. <laughs> Come on. I tell you, when I drank, I didn't hit the dance floor until I had a few in me. And then I was the best dancer on the floor. <laughs> oh, I, I guess it's just me. I'm sorry. I've, it's, thank you. <laughs> Alcohols. They, 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 you've got angry drunks. You've got happy drunks, Right? Then you've got those that are just blah, alcohol, pills, whatever. It lowers your inhibitions and make you less aware of your reality. That's why you heard, hey, I'm 10 foot tall and bulletproof. You're less aware that you're really 5'4", and anybody could really kick your tail. (laughs) But here's, (laughs) I don't even want to know. Don't even want to know. That sounds like somebody's experienced it. Uh, Paul's not just saying, hey, don't get drunk. Don't get high. Don't, 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 don't just put anything in your body. He said, no, don't. What he's saying is, he's not just saying, hey, don't do that. What he's saying is, hey, instead, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled, be influenced. Whereas alcohol can slow you down, it can numb you. Holy Spirit can give you clarity. Holy Spirit can give you joy. Holy Spirit can improve a bad attitude. Holy Spirit can enable us to make better decisions. Come on now. Uh, Anybody tired of making stupid, foolish, dumb decisions in your life? Man, I am. Only four of us. (laughs) Lord, help us all. I'm like Paul. Man, I'm the worst sinner in the room right now. (laughs) When you allow Holy Spirit to fill you, he fills you with power. Power to make clearer, wiser decisions. Wiser choices. He fills you with power to say no to things that you normally would say yes to. Are you hearing me? Gives power. The third third thing. He enables you to carry out your God-given mission. Holy Spirit enables you to live out, carry out your God-given mission. Let's track back a little bit. Uh, Jesus tells his disciples, hey, don't leave the city until until you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, 120 believers uh, and the disciples, they're in an upper room, a sound of a violent wind, tongues of fire set upon each of them. They begin to speak in tongues. Other translations say they begin to speak in other language as the Holy Spirit enabled them. Get Here's why. This is a miracle right here. I'm about to show you why. There are a minimum, and and they list them, 15 different language groups in the square that day. A minimum of that. And I say minimum because scholars believe that there were language groups other than the 15 that get listed in Acts uh, 2, 7 through 11. That's pretty impressive. These people just begin. Get, Get this though. The Greek word for language here. 
indicates that not only did they hear them speaking in their own language, I find this, this incredible, but they also began to hear it in their native dialect, their native accents. They weren't just speaking the language. They were doing it specifically, a specific dialect, a specific accent. That, that, I'm telling you, that's the presence. But here's what they heard when they heard the, 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 the people begin to speak in their language. Verse 11b, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Then it says, they were amazed and perplexed and said, what does this mean? What? See, they're experiencing a, a miracle. Uh, the equivalent of this miracle would be like the ghost bros going down to a Spanish-filled community and then being able to speak perfect Spanish in their dialect and them understand them. Because most of us could not understand them in our own language when they were speaking. It's the equivalent of me going to Japan, me being in Tokyo, standing out in Times Square, never taking the language course at all, never taking the Bible class or whatever course is out there now, and me speaking in perfect dialect and language, presenting the gospel to them in the square. That's what's going on right here. And this is even more amazing. You jump over two chapters to Acts chapter 4. It says that the people looked at Peter and John and realized, hey, these are unschooled, ordinary men. The King James Version says they were unlearned and ignorant. When you look at the word, the Greek word used for ignorant and ordinary, it is the word idiotes. Anybody want to know what word we get from that? Idiot. It says they looked at, the, at them and said, these are a bunch of idiots. How do they know this stuff? How are they preaching this stuff? How are they speaking in perfect, our language perfectly? They were amazed because these unschooled, these ordinary men, you want to know the heart of God. The first presentation of the gospel is spoken in every language that was present there that day in the city. He didn't just say, hey, I'm just going to speak to these people. Every tribe, every ethnic group, every person present, they heard the gospel preached to them in their own language. That's the heart of God. People. People. And you know what else you see the heart of God in? He didn't use a bunch of elect people that were, you know, up here, had went to many years of school. He used unschooled, ordinary idiots like you and I. That's right. That's a good place. Well, I'm not an idiot. That's, hey, uh, ask your wife. Um, let's go. <laughs> They're hearing about the goodness of God in their own language. You know what Acts 2 really is? It's the first ever flash mob. 
You know what flash mob is? They, they put out word. They show up here. They put it out on social media. Only this time, it wasn't. The word didn't get out by social media or anything like that. The word was directly from the Holy Spirit. Hey, this is what's going to happen. I just need you to show up. If you'll show up and stay where Jesus told you to, bam, I'm going to fall on you, and something crazy is going to happen. And people will be changed. They said, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in their own tongues. Amazing, perplexed. They ask, what does this mean? A few months ago, I heard Levi Lusco talk about this, uh, paralleling uh, the Tower of Babel to what happened here in Acts 2. It was very fascinating. See, in Genesis 11, the Bible tells the story that everyone spoke in the exact same language. There weren't different languages. There weren't different dialects. Everyone spoke the same language. And everyone was able to understand one another, communicate. But because of their pride and their defiance against God, God made it where they could no longer communicate with one another. The Bible says God confused their language. That's the reason the tower they were trying to build became known as Babel. As the result of that day, the people were divided. And they were scattered all over the planet. That's the Tower of Babel. Compare that to Acts chapter 2. Where here the people aren't gathering in pride and defiance against God, but they're gathered, they're humbled, waiting on God. They're repentant. They're walking in obedience. And God poured out his spirit on them all. And now all of a sudden, people that that have been divided and scattered from all over the world. They show up in this one place, and they begin to hear the gospel in their exact language. What went wrong at Babel went right at Pentecost. Are you hearing me? Is it even possible to have this kind of unity again? Is it even possible to bridge the gap And I'm not even talking with the world. I'm talking about our own people, our brothers and sisters. Man, enough of this. One thing you will will never, I've said this before, and I I hope it's true. If I ever do, man, I hope you rebuke me for it. You will never hear me down another church, another ministry, another pastor, another anything like that. Why? Because that's God's kid, and the way they do things may not be the way I do things, but if they're reaching people, I, I believe you. Do you remember in the Bible? It's not even in my notes. You remember the Bible when his disciples came to Jesus and said, Hey, there's a group over here preaching in your name. We don't like the way they're doing it. And Jesus said, Hey, hey, leave them alone. If they're not against us, they're for us. Jesus is being preached. Leave them alone. And, 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 and I'm telling you guys, you will never hear me. Why, you know what, another reason? Because even someone that's fallen from grace, the Bible says this about him, that the call of God on their life is without repentance. The call is still there. You remember when, De- when Saul, hey, David had every right to kill Saul. He, God had promised him, this is your king. Saul had tried to kill him. But when David had the opportunity and his men were saying, yeah, do it, do it, do it. David said, no, 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 no. I will not touch God's anointed. Well, the problem is at that point, it already, 
the Samuel already said, hey, Saul, God has stripped his anointing from you. But David recognized and said, no, 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 no. I don't care. If God wants to deal with them, he'll deal with them. I'm telling you guys, if the church could begin to show unity. It's sad to me, and it doesn't bother me as much as it used to. But there was a time when we would call other churches throughout the week and say, hey, and we need to get back to that. We've talked about it. Hey, how can, we're going to be praying for you this week at our church. How can we pray for you? It would amaze you at the church, at the people when they heard it was Watts Bar Church, the bar at the time. How many was, oh, no, we're good. We don't need your prayer. I will take anybody's prayer. This boy, this church needs anybody's prayer. And that's another reason you will never hear me badmouth a church or a minister because at any given day, everybody in this room is just one decision away from blowing it. And I want to show grace because if the day comes, I want grace. Now, let's move on. That's free. That wasn't in my notes. Holy Spirit gives life. He gives power. He gives us the ability to carry out our God-given mission. And fourthly and lastly, he gives you the courage to share Jesus. He gives you the courage to share Jesus. Peter, Jesus' disciples, you remember him, the one that denied Jesus three times, one that ran and deserted Jesus, the one that could, could not take a stand for the one, the, the one guy that truly accepted him and loved him right where he was. Well, only days after that, now Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, stands in the square of the city and with boldness and courage begins to deliver the gospel message. And let me show you another one of the things that Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. John 15, 26. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about who? Who's me? Jesus. He's talking here. Now look at verse uh, chapter 16, 13, and 14. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he sees from me. Here's why I showed you those verses. There are those who make this all about the Holy Spirit. And I love the Holy Spirit. I respect it. But Holy Spirit is the opposite of making it all about him. The Holy Spirit doesn't need or want your recognition. He's not clamoring for attention. When Holy Spirit is really and truly operating, he is not the center of the conversation. He's always pointing to Jesus, saying, focus on Jesus. Focus this way. Holy Spirit, number one objective is for us, for us humans to be completely focused on Jesus. Jesus said this in Acts 1-8, hey, you will be my witnesses. He didn't say, hey, when the Holy Spirit empowers you, you will be witnesses of the Holy Spirit, did he? You will be his witness of Jesus. I love how scholar Del Bruner describes Holy Spirit. He says this, the Holy Spirit's desire and work is that we be overcome again, thrilled again, excited, impressed, and gripped again by the wonder, the majesty, and the relevance of Jesus and his word to our world. 
The Holy Spirit doesn't mind being Cinderella outside the ballroom if the prince gets honored in his own kingdom. On the day of Pentecost, Peter stood before thousands. If I could get Bob to come on up. And Bob, let's sing that song we ended worship with. Peter stood before thousands of people and began to preach this Acts 2, 22-24. Jesus of Nazareth was the man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man, Jesus, was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, you put him to death by nailing him to a cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Holy Spirit gave Peter so much bonus to share Jesus halfway through, because this message goes on. Halfway through the message, no altar call was given. Nobody said, hey, do you want to respond? But the people said, hey, tell us, what do we need to do to receive Jesus? Kind of what we saw happen this morning in worship where people began to just walk up, kneel. Three thousand people gave their hearts to God that day. When the Holy Spirit is present, Jesus is always the main attraction. He's always the focus of our attention. He's always the object of our affection. It's Jesus. And the Holy Spirit wants to give you courage to share that. To share it. Ask yourself. On a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate yourself when it comes to sharing your faith, sharing your Jesus? Be honest. Nobody's going to say it but you. I mean, you can't give yourself a 10 if you know you're a 2. But be honest with yourself. This is where I am. I mean, because we could talk about other things that we've experienced that we thought were great in our lives, Right? I mean, you look on social media, and it's easy to tell what someone's experiences have been that day. They get engaged. Oh, they're showing off the ring. They get pregnant. They want to share it. Gender reveal, they share it. Finally get the, the recipe they were trying to make right. They take a picture and share it. Team wins two games in a row. We share it. You watch a great movie, you want to share it. Tell somebody about it. You hear a great song, you want to share it. Tell somebody about it. That's the same principle when it comes to sharing Jesus. If Jesus has truly been a game changer in your life, if he has truly set you free, if he has healed your marriage, if he has delivered you, if he has saved you, if he has been a comfortable, you can't help but share it. And the Holy Spirit wants to give you that. You know, Francis of Assisi is accredited with saying this, and there's disputes of whether he said it or not, but here's what was said. Preach the gospel at all times and use words if necessary. I love the quote, and I get what he's saying. And yes, listen, live a life that shows Jesus. Yes, live a life that is humble. Yes, live a life where you're kind. But can I tell you this? There's going to come a day where you're going to have to verbalize it. You're going to have to get vocal about it. 
Acts 4, and we're closing. Peter and John are being told by the religious authorities, hey, quit sharing Jesus. Stop it. And I love Peter's response in 19 and 20 of Acts 4. Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? Because we cannot stop telling everything we've seen and heard. I hear what you're saying. Me sharing Jesus, getting on your nerves. But after the freedom he's given me, I can't help but share. I hear, I know I'm getting on your nerves because I constantly talk about how he saved my marriage, but I just can't stop talking about it. I know I get on your nerves by posting that I'm one year sober today. Get used to it. Because what God's done in my life, I can't help but share it. Grant Patrick, who's a teaching pastor at Passion City Church in Atlanta, he shared a story some time ago about his tennis coach in high school. Grant had developed a very close relationship with his coach throughout his high school years. In college, uh, Grant came to know Jesus, accepted Jesus. And even though he didn't see his coach very often, he still kept in touch with his coach. And he said, he said, I felt a personal responsibility to share my faith with this coach that had been so influential in my life. But get this. He says, for some reason, I relegated sharing my faith to my coach by him seeing what I would post on Instagram or Facebook or by him seeing some YouTube video I liked. And he said, I convinced myself of this. By him seeing these things, when my coach is ready to talk about Jesus, he'll reach out to me. Get this. Grant went all the way through college and into seminary with that strategy. But in seminary evangelism class, he was given the assignment of interviewing three people. He chose to interview that high school tennis coach. During the interview, the tennis coach stopped him and made this statement. He said, Grant, if this Jesus thing is so important to you, why have you never told me about him? Why do you need the Holy Spirit in your life? Because he gives you the courage to tell people about Jesus. Stand with me across this room. The Holy Spirit is not optional. He is essential. You need him. You need him. Why do you need the Holy Spirit? Because he gives life. He gives power. He gives you and enables you to live out and carry out your God-given purpose in this life. And he gives you the courage to share Jesus. On our thing, the youth, on our form, you, you, we ask you to fill out uh, for, for membership. And I hate that word membership. And if you've been to one of my classes, you know it. Know why. Uh, to become part of the team. We ask you to put in your testimony. 
And I tell people, why, why is that important? Because I'm telling you, people need to know that somebody else has walked what they're walking through now, and they overcame it. Because I t- can't tell you how many times I've talked to an addict that's struggling. They'll say, I've, I've, I've tried to quit for years. I've tried to, to get free for years. And then they'll hear the testimony of somebody like Casey. That was a 20-year opioid addict. I hear the testimony of somebody like Boyd, somebody like Danny Maldi. They're like, oh, I can do it then. I can get free. Marriages. I've seen God take a marriage that was hanging on by a thread, if that. And God healed that marriage. They, they get to stand and say, man, God did it for us. And then there was a couple out there. If God did it for them, he could do it for me. I saw people get on the stage and talk about they're wrestling with depression and suicidal thoughts and what God's done in their life. And I can tell you from someone who's dealt and battled depression, has thought about taking it all, that when you hear, it's easy. We want to stay silent because we don't think nobody will understand. But when you hear somebody say, let me tell you what God did for me, it makes you feel I'm not alone. Testimony you will hear in the near future. And when you hear it, I cannot wait. But about someone who lived a whole lot of their lives as a gay man. And God and the Holy Spirit began to work in them. And God delivered them, saved them. They are married with children now. That's why you'll never hear me get up here and badmouth the LGBT community. You'll never hear me badmouth anybody that's struggling because just because their sin looks different from yours doesn't give you a right to down them. Because we believe that Holy Spirit can do more in a moment And my hatefulness and my self-righteousness can do in a lifetime. We need Holy Spirit. So here's all I'm going to do. You need a life. I'm not saying you're not a Christian, but I'm saying maybe you don't have the same passion about Christ you once had. Holy Spirit wants to breathe it back into you. You need power. You need power to operate, live out this God-given purpose. Holy Spirit wants to breathe that into you. You want the courage to share Jesus? Holy Spirit wants to breathe that into you. Because he is not an option when it comes to this life. He is a necessity. He is essential. He is the heartbeat of what we do. Jesus. So 
So I'm going to ask them to sing this song. Whatever you need. I, I, I know. I know, man, God, God can touch you. Holy Spirit can touch you right where you're at. I know that. But there's something about when you say, ah, man, I want it. And physically, you step toward what you want. I believe it activates something inside of you. I'm not going to call a prayer team to pray because I think there's some of our prayer team that thinks, I need the life breathed back into me. I'm tired. My passion's gone. I'm praying for people that I just, when I don't, I, I'm praying, God, heal them because you ain't healing me. Am I right? I felt that. But you want Holy Spirit to begin to operate in your life. As they begin to sing, I'm going to ask you to get as close as you can just begin to surrender. The best way you know how, sometimes it's just say, Holy Spirit, God, I don't even know what to do. I'm just here saying I need you. Fill me. Let me become, let me come under your influence. Let me be filled with this spirit where, where you get more of me. You get more of me. I become less selfish. I become less hateful. I become less aggressive. God, you get more of me. Less of me. More of you. That's your prayer as they sing. Just make your way up. And let's surrender. Man, I'm going to be up here because I want him to get more of me. More of Kelly. More of Kelly. Come on, team.